Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. God is good. His presence is powerful. And I am appreciative every time I can be in his presence. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 34. And we'll read the first seven verses together. Second Chronicles chapter 34 and verse number one. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on high above them he cut down. And the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali, with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. I'm preaching a message tonight about the past and how it impacts your present and how that impacts your future. And I'm preaching this subject, burn the bones. Burn the bones. Can we put our Bibles down and lift up our hands and let's just ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight, shall we? Lord, in the precious name of Jesus, we can do nothing without your anointing. We can do nothing without your touch, God. And, and I feel a special unction. There's a there's a sweet spirit in this place. I pray that we could feel the brush of angels' wings, oh God, and that we would respond to your word in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Could we just build up our faith by lifting up our voices one more time? Could you give them the fruit of your lips? Could you offer up the sacrifice of praise for just a moment? Are there any praisers in the house tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing and worshiping. You may be seated. Is Josiah here? Josiah Blish? Josiah, are you brave enough to run up here real fast? Stand up. Stand up. Okay, he's going to come. Give him a hand. Come on up here, Josiah. How old are you? He is five years old. Were you named after Josiah in the Bible? Was he named after the Bible character Josiah? Five years old. Isn't he awesome? Now, I want you to think about something for a minute here. Josiah is five. Just pretend like he's eight years old. Josiah in the Bible was a remarkable young man. He was eight years old when he became the king of Judah. 
And I want you to just imagine for a moment that Josiah is eight years old and he's the king. Here's King Josiah. All hail King Josiah. Wouldn't that be awesome if you were King Josiah? <laughs> Thank you. I wanted you to get that mental image in your mind of how, how young Josiah was when he became the king. The remarkable thing about Josiah in the Bible, not this Josiah, is that he had a terrible heritage. You'd have to go all the way back to his great-grandfather, Hezekiah, to find a godly king. Manasseh, his grandfather, was one of the worst kings in all of Jewish history. Manasseh had the longest reign of any other Israelite king. He reigned for 55 years, and he was committed to idolatry. Manasseh restored everything that Hezekiah had abolished. Manasseh erected altars to Baal. He erected the image of Asherah in the temple of God. He worshiped the sun, the moon, and the stars. He recognized the Ammonite god Molech and sacrificed his own child on the altar of Molech. He legalized sorcery and fortune-telling, and he killed everyone who protested against his actions. It's even possible and, in fact, likely that he was the one who had the prophet Isaiah killed. Tradition tells us that Manasseh gave the command that Isaiah be sown into. The Bible summarizes Manasseh's reign by saying that he seduced Judah to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. In fact, Manasseh was such a wicked king that he invoked more wickedness than all of the kingdoms that had been in that land before the Israelites came. That was Josiah's grandfather, and his father wasn't much better. Ammon, Josiah's father, was only king for two years, but he filled that two years with depraved wickedness, idolatry, and weakness. You should know that even the name of Josiah's father was an act of defiance and rebellion against God. Ammon is an Egyptian name for the false god of Thebes. Manasseh was so wicked that he named his own son after a pagan god. So the one son that he didn't sacrifice to Molech, he named after an Egyptian false god. Ammon was so hated by the people that he was assassinated, leaving young Josiah with the daunting task of becoming the king of a weak, decaying, morally bankrupt, spiritually depraved, and financially unstable kingdom. This was the legacy of Josiah's heritage. If you only looked at his family history, you would assume that Josiah would be a wicked king. If you only looked at his youth, you would assume that Josiah would be a foolish king. If you only looked at his experience, you would assume that Josiah would be an unproductive king. If you only looked at his kingdom, you would assume that Josiah would be a weak king. But thankfully, God does not look at man's countenance, nor the height of his stature. For the Lord seeth not as man sees. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. Someone ought to say, thank you, Jesus. And at eight years old, Josiah decided that he was going to do that which was right in the sight of God. 
I don't know if you noticed it in our text when we read it, but the Bible says that Josiah walked in the ways of David, his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. Now, David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a great king, but he was not Josiah's father. You should also know that the ungodly priests had lost the Hebrew Bible at some point during the reign of either Josiah's father or grandfather. They found it later during Josiah's reign. So Josiah did not have a Bible to guide his thoughts or his actions, but he knew about the ways and the God of King David. He had heard the stories and the traditions that had been passed down from generation to generation. He knew that David was a worshiper of the one true God of Israel. And he knew that David understood the importance of repentance. And he knew that David hated idolatry. So Josiah determined in his heart that even though his earthly father might have been an idolatrous failure, he was going to change his heritage and call his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather his father. Josiah refused to identify himself with the heritage and the shame of his father's failures. Instead, he decided to make David his daddy. He said, I'm adopting a new daddy as my role model. No longer do I identify as the son of a man named after a pagan god. No, my new daddy is a worshiper. My new daddy is a praiser. My new daddy loves the house of God. My new daddy is a warrior. My new daddy is a giant killer. My new daddy does not touch God's anointed. My new daddy sings a new song unto the Lord. And evil spirits began to flee. My new dad inspires others to serve the Lord. And my new father repents when he falls down. Listen to this preacher for just a moment. Your role models matter. It matters what kind of people you decide to pattern your life after. I am so tired of people blaming their parents and their friends and their moms and their dads for their inability to serve the Lord and live righteously. Manasseh had a godly father and he went on to be a wicked king. Josiah had a wicked father and he went on to be a godly king. Stop blaming mom and stop blaming dad and stop blaming grandma and stop blaming grandpa. Somebody ought to preach with me right here and stop blaming the preacher that let you down and turned out to be a shyster. Stop blaming the false prophet. Stop blaming the politicians. Stop blaming your city. Stop blaming your upbringing because in the end, it's just going to be you and God. I don't care if a thousand preachers let you down. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The blame game will get you nowhere. The blame game is no excuse. Because in the end, you will answer to God 
for you alone. God's not going to ask what your daddy did, and he's not going to ask what your mama did. He's going to open up the Lamb's book of life, and he's going to read your deeds out loud, and he's going to examine what you decided to do with your life. And you won't be able to argue with God and say, so-and-so told me that a little bit of idolatry doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to argue with God and say, well, brother so-and-so said it'd be okay. No, no, no. It's just going to be you and God face to face. And you don't answer for your mom's mistakes. And you don't answer for your daddy's mistakes. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. You're not going to answer for your grandpa's mistakes. No, it's going to be you standing before God. Because there is one Lord and there is one faith. Someone say, there is one way to God. Don't listen to the voices that try to tell you that all roads lead to the same place. Allah will not take you to heaven. Buddha will not take you to heaven. Some premeditated trinity will not take you to heaven. There is one Lord. And there is one faith. And there is one baptism. And there is only one saving name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I wish an apostolic would lift up your voice and shout that name right now. His name is Jesus. It holds all power. It holds all authority. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I said every knee will bow. Hillary Clinton's going to bow at the name of Jesus. Donald Trump is going to bow at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every king, every potentate, every senator, they're going to bow at the name of Jesus on judgment day. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ha, ha, ha. You're going to do it one day. You're going to do it one day in heaven. You might as well go ahead and start practicing down here. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so, I think one of the most amazing things about little eight-year-old Josiah's life a kingship thrust upon him unexpectedly because his father was assassinated, left with a broken, bruised, tarnished legacy. There he was. I'm sure he didn't know exactly what to do, but he made up my, his mind. David's going to be my father, and I'm going to walk and pattern my life the way that he lived his life because he was a man after God's own heart. You ought to find some role models that are serving the Lord. You ought to pattern your life after some people who love God with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their mind and with all their strength. Are you telling me to be like you brother Ryan no I wouldn't tell you to do that but I look over here at my bishop and I say if you're looking for a role model get up close to brother Cole have him lay his hand have him lay his hands on you and pray with apostolic authority young lady if you're looking for a role model stop opening up magazine covers and stop going to Hollywood and find sister Cole and and say, Sister Cole, lay your hands on me and pray with that old-fashioned apostolic authority. Yeah. 
You don't need to find another TV preacher to tell you how to live. They've all sacrificed the gospel on idolatrous altars. No, you need to find yourself a genuine man of God and say, I want to be a man after God's own heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to be a man. <laughs> I know what my daddy did. I know what my grandpa did. I see the evidence. I see the ruins of it all around me. I see the broken lives. I see children being sacrificed. And right now in the United States of America, we don't, we don't get the ovens going and get the altars going. And we don't chant the name of Molech. But we have sterile abortion clinics all over this country. I knew it was going to get quiet. You don't have to preach with me. I'll preach it anyway. We've got people sacrificing their children on the altar of convenience and selfishness every day. Millions. And Americans rent another movie. And we talk about choice and all that jazz. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I said, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. We've got to stop pretending in the American church like witchcraft is dead and idolatry is dead. We're worshiping all kinds of stuff and we're calling it entertainment and you're trying to tell me that we're in a new era. No, no. Idolatry is alive and well and the church of the living God needs to wake up, stand up, speak up. Hallelujah. Oh my God. And he said, I need a new legacy. I need a new heritage. And he invoked the name of David. And he walked straight in the paths of God. In a New Testament era, I know that I'm preaching tonight to people who sometimes we see brokenness in our own lives. And we as New Testament Christians have a powerful promise. You see, we can have a new life in Christ Jesus. We can have a heavenly father. We can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things are made new. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. How many are thankful for the Holy Ghost tonight? Now listen, if you don't think that having the Holy Ghost is essential for salvation, you need to pay attention to this passage of Scripture. Because Paul makes it clear that you cannot be a son or a daughter of God unless you have the Holy Spirit. He said, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba. That's just a word that means daddy. Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Did you know that you are partakers of glory? When you become a child of God, you are adopted into the kingdom, and your new father is a king. In fact, he's not just any old king. He is the king of glory. He is the king 
of kings. He is the mighty God in Christ. He is the Lord of lords. Your heavenly Father can move in cancer and heal it in one instant. Your heavenly Father looks down on you and he knows what you have need of. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. Can, is there anybody here tonight that can testify that God is the great Jehovah Jireh? He is the provider. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is my banner in battle. He is my ever-present help in the time of trouble. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. When everybody else turns their back, Jesus will always be right there. <laughs> he is not a king that is far removed from us. He is not a king that looks past our needs. He is a king that is concerned with every single hair on our head. He is concerned with every teardrop that we shed at night. He knows exactly the pain that you're feeling in your body right now. And he is able. <laughs> he is your father. He is your king. He is your savior. He is your sustainer. He is your provider. He is your deliverer. Ha <laughs> ha. Somebody ought to lift up your hand right now and thank him because he is a deliverer. Hallelujah. He is a way maker. Somebody's going through a problem right now, and you ought to lift up your hand and say, Father, I need you to be a way maker tonight. <laughs> I need you to part a Red Sea right now, Lord. I need you to make a way where there does not seem to be a way. Ha <laughs> Because he is the great king of glory. And it does not matter what your earthly father or mother has done. You have a heavenly father. Who can write a new legacy in your life. He can write a new story on the pages of your heart. He can redesign your future. He can wash away your past. And he can sustain you in your present. That's the God that we serve tonight. Josiah became so zealous. In his walk with God. And his desire to please God. That even as a young child, he purposed in his heart that he was going to purge his kingdom from all of the idolatrous things and all of the idolatrous places and rituals that his father and grandfather had instituted in the land. And the Bible says that it took him some time, but he began to tear down the images in the high places. High places were sacred places of pagan worship. All kinds of debauchery and rituals happened in the high places. These things had infiltrated the kingdom of God. He tore down and burned down the groves. He broke the altars of Balaam. You see... This was an ecumenical spirit that had gripped the land. It was not just one false god. It was not just one false religion. But a prevailing spirit of ecumenicalism had gripped the land of Judah. They believed that you could worship any god. 
And as long as you were worshiping something, you were just fine. Does that sound familiar to you today? That is exactly the spirit that has gripped the United States of America in the last days. There is a prevailing belief in a sense that we're all worshiping the same God. They tell you that doctrine doesn't matter and theology doesn't matter. We're all, nobody really knows truth. Nobody really has the market cornered on truth. And so Satan has won the battle for the hearts and minds of people where they believe that truth is unattainable. They believe that truth is relative and there's no such thing as absolute truth. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We've already quoted it, but I'll quote it again. The apostle said there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. If you believe that the Bible is true, does anybody believe the Bible is true tonight? If you don't believe the Bible is true, then, then we have to approach this whole thing from a completely different angle. But if you believe that the Bible is true, you cannot stand on the word of God and believe that all roads lead to the same God. And all theologies take you to the same place. Because it, it is absolutely not true. And it does not sink and line up with the word of God. But this was the prevailing spirit of the age in Josiah's day. And so he was tearing down altars of Balaam. And he was cutting down the graven images that had been built for the God of Molech. And he was cutting down images created for Egyptian gods and Ammonite gods and Moabite gods and Philistine gods. So many different false gods and false religions had infiltrated the land that it took Josiah years to go from city to city and tear down these places of worship. In fact, he decided that he was going to do this throughout the entire kingdom, not just in the capital city of Jerusalem. And so he went into all of the countrysides and into all of the cities, even the faraway remote cities that no one had heard of. And he purged even the most remote city from idolatry. Let me just pause and say that sometimes in our own lives, we leave little pockets of idolatry untouched. We go to the big places that everybody can see. We go to the capital, the outward. We go to places that everybody can look at, the things that are easily recognizable. But we leave the faraway places in our spirit untouched, and we leave the groves, and we leave the images, and we leave the high places, and we think that nobody notices, and we convince ourselves that God is okay with us having just a little idol over here. Surely God is okay. It's not in Jerusalem. It's, it's not in the capital city. It's just way over here in the darkest corners of my heart and mind. And I'm going to leave it there. And it's really not going to do much damage. Can I tell you, if you leave any trace of idolatry in your life, it will come back to haunt you one day. You better tear it all down. You better go deep into the recesses of your spirit, man. You better go deep into the darkest corners of your mind. 
mind that you think God doesn't care about. He knows every thought that you think. He knows everything about you. And you better go ahead and tear it all out and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, I give you every idol. I give you everything. Listen to me, sir. You better not hold on to lust and think your marriage is going to be okay. Lustfulness will destroy your marriage, sir. Listen to me, ma'am. You better not hold on to bitterness and gossip and think that you're going to come out okay. No, no, no. You better tear it all out and get right with God. You know, in Christianity, we have little idols that we think are fine. Did you know that? We have acceptable idols. We dress holy and then we talk hatefully. And we think somehow God is going to be pleased. No, 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 no. You better tear it all down. Everywhere. Everywhere. And that's exactly what Josiah did. And in the middle of all of this, the Bible says something very interesting. The Bible says that Josiah ordered for the bones of the false prophets and the pagan priests that had led the people in idol worship. He ordered that their bones would be dug up from their graves. And he took those bones and he carried those bones to the pagan altars where they had formerly given sacrifices to the gods of Molech and to the gods of Baal. And he took those bones of those priests and he laid them on those pagan altars. And the Bible says that they burned those bones to ashes. What an amazing picture this is. Really, in many ways, this was a symbolic thing. This was something in order for people to take notice of. What Josiah was really saying is that we are not going back to those old ways ever. We're never going back to that. But he was doing more than that. Josiah was also saying that we are no longer going to reverence the past. We're no longer going to walk by these places. You see, Judah had gotten to a point where they were reverencing false gods. And they would walk by these tombs of these pagan priests who had manipulated people, who had sacrificed children, who had led people in all kinds of perversion and debauchery. And people were walking by these graves and they were feeling a sense of wonder and they were feeling a sense of awe. They felt as though that was a sacred place. They felt as though that was a spiritual place when really it was an evil, demonic, wicked place. And Josiah made up his mind. No longer are we going to have reverence for evil things. No longer are we going to feel a sense of awe for evil things. And so in a symbolic gesture, he tore those bones out of the graves and put them on the altars and burnt them in front of all of the people. I fear in the Holy Ghost that many of us have skeletons in sacred places. Pentecostals who have sacred groves where the bones of our past lives and the bones of our past failures 
and the bones of our past sin and the bones of our past mistakes and the skeletons of things that we once loved that we should never have loved and skeletons of things that we once worshipped and followed that we should have never worshipped or followed. We have left them intact. And every time we walk by it, we feel a sense of wonder and longing to go back. And every time we think about it, we feel a sense of longing. It's almost like the Israelites when they wandered in, Egypt, in, in the wilderness and they felt a desire to go back to bondage in Egypt. Sometimes we, even as apostolics, we feel the tug of our past failures and it pulls on us. And I'll tell you what you ought to do in the Holy Ghost tonight. You better dig up those bones. You better get those skeletons out of your closet. And you ought to lay it on the altar and get a little Holy Ghost fire on it and say, I'm never going back. I'm never going to long for that again. I am never going to think fondly about that again. It's the alcoholic, the former alcoholic, who thinks wistfully about their old lifestyle. It's the former adulteress who thinks wistfully about their old lifestyle. It's the former liar who every once in a while feels the tug of lies back in your spirit. It's the reformed gossip who feels the sting of gossip welling up inside of you. You know what it is? You have bones that you have not dug up and you have not burned them on the altar of sacrifice. You better deal with those bones or they're going to come back and haunt you someday. Listen to me, apostolic. You can look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm preaching right into somebody's spirit right now. There are some things from your past. There are some ghosts from your past that are still haunting you in the night. It wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you can't go back to sleep because you have not dealt with the bones. <laughs> the bones of sin, failure, false doctrine that tugs on you. You know it's not right, but you feel, you feel a sense of longing to go back. A sense of longing to go back to hurt and regret. Sometimes it's the pain that won't let go. It's the bitterness that gets in your spirit. And it's those bones. Every time you walk by that grave, you can feel the bitterness welling up inside of you. Every time you walk by that place, and you know the place I'm talking about, you can feel the spirit of rebellion trying to jump on you. Every time you talk to that individual, you can feel that lustful spirit trying to jump back on you. Every time you think about that particular moment, you can feel pride trying to get its grip on you. Every time you think about that particular thing, the spirit of immorality tries to jump on you. You can feel addiction pulling at you every time you walk by a certain place because the bones have not been burned. The bones have not been dealt with. Promiscuity tries to get its grip back on you again because you have not dealt with the bones of your past. The spirit of abuse tries to get a hold of you. The spirit of self-harm tries to get a hold of you because you have not dealt with the bones of your past. They're still there and God is telling you to stop ignoring your past. You better deal with it. You better tear down the high places. You better tear down the groves and you better dig up the bones because if you don't 
fruit. You will long for it for the rest of your life. And if you're not careful, Josiah, you'll go back to the failures of your fathers. Past influences, relationships, strongholds, people, people that are trying to drag you back into the world. And you know that you should be careful, but you're flirting with the bones of your past. And it's wreaking havoc in your life. And it's destroying you. And it's pulling on you. But you better get the spirit of Josiah that says, I am never, ever going back. It was looking back. It got Lot's wife in trouble. She was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. The judgment of God was being poured out. They should have never been there in the first place. Lot, you should have never taken your family there. Lot, you should have never lusted for the green grasses of Sodom and Gomorrah. But it pulled on you and it tugged at you and you pointed your tents towards Sodom. You didn't start out there, but one day you woke up right in the middle of a wicked, idolatrous city and your children were being influenced and your wife everything that you ever loved and held dear everything that father Abraham taught you was being disintegrated in Sodom and Gomorrah but oh old Abraham prayed and God sent deliverance to Lot his wife and his children and the angels of the Lord led them out of judgment and led them out of the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and all they required was just one thing Whatever you do. But something inside of Lot's wife said, I can't help it. I can't help it. And in my mind's eye, I can almost envision her as she's walking and she's fighting inside of herself. Surely she had taken their words seriously. She could feel the fire and the brimstone. She could feel the warmth of it, the heat of her, of it on her back as she walked away from the city. But something inside of her could not stop from turning. So she's looking at the fire. It became the source of her own destruction. Don't look back, sir. Don't look back, ma'am. That's where your destruction lies. It'll destroy you. Dig up the bones and burn them. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. The prophet Jeremiah said, For his word was in my heart as a burning fire. John the Baptist said this. He said, For I baptize you with water. But he who cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. <laughs> Let me tell you how you deal with the bones of your past. You have to have his word like fire shut up in your bones. His word will purge your past. And you have to have the Holy Ghost. 
The Bible says in the upper room, it was like cloven tongues of fire and it sat upon each of them. It was symbolic. It was letting us know that our God, who is a consuming fire, when he fills you with his spirit, the purging qualities of the Holy Ghost begin to purge you from all of your past and your past addiction and your past failure and your past lustfulness and your past mistakes. Oh! Things are purged by the word of God and Holy Ghost fire. Stand with me right now. We have got to have the Holy Ghost like fire shut up in our bones. We've got to have his word burning inside of us, burning the rebellion from our life. You want to know how you get rid of pride? You get his word burning inside of you until nothing unclean can live inside of your spirit because his word is like a fire inside of you. You've got to have the Holy Ghost operating so strong in your life that whenever the bones of your past try to get a grip on you, the Holy Ghost begins to move and says oh no this is a child of a king this is a child of God devil you have no business here addiction you have no business here lust you have no business here condemnation you have no room here no, 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 no. This is a child of the king. I know what his daddy did. I know what his mommy did. I know what his grandparents did. But it doesn't matter because he's been covered by the blood of the lamb. He has a new name written in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could we lift up our hands right now all across this building? I feel like a spirit of prayer ought to just grip our hearts right now for a few moments. Did you know that there is such a thing as generational curses? Did you know that's biblical? There are generational curses. Alcoholism, depression, abuse, hatred, rebellion, perversion. Things that grip families, that get deep in the psyche of a child, passed down from their parents. <laughs> but did you know that God can break every chain and he can break every cycle and he can change your story. The world is busy blaming mom and dad, trying to minimize anything that may have happened to you in your childhood. I, I, I'm telling you, that pain can be almost unbearable sometimes. I, I know. I know. I've wept with enough people in counseling sessions to know that your childhood, it affects your life. But the Spirit of God can turn it all around. You can spend thousands of hours in counseling when all you really need is a few minutes in the presence of God. 
can spend thousands of hours with psychologists when all you really need is a few moments basking in the Shekinah glory of God. You can spend hours on the phone with your friends getting all kinds of bad advice when what you really need is a few moments laying the bones of your past on an altar and saying, Lord, you know what to do with these things. I don't know how to handle it, God. Did you know there are things you can't handle? The sooner you admit that, the better. You better lay those bones on the altar and say, Lord, I, I can't deal with this anymore. Set it on fire with your spirit. Purge it from my life. Some of you are struggling with desires that you thought that you had dealt with a long time ago. But you never burned the bones on the altar. Some of you are struggling with spirits that you thought you had defeated a long time ago. But you never burned the bones on the altar. Tonight is the night to do it. It's not a night to say, I wonder what people will think of me if I go to the altar. No, no, that would be exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get self-conscious right now. But I'm the first person laying my bones on this altar tonight and saying, Lord, there's things that I can't do. Is there someone who'd be willing to be first to just come and symbolically lay your past down on the altar tonight and say, Lord, I can't handle it by myself, God. I can't deal with the pain anymore, Lord. I can't, I can't do it by myself. Just lay it on the altar and say, I need the Holy Spirit, God. I need the Holy Ghost fire right now. If you'll cry out to Jesus, you're going to feel the warmth of the Holy Ghost in just a moment. It's going to well up inside of you. And when you feel that, you better open up your mouth and begin to cry out to Jesus. When you feel the Holy Ghost fire, you ought to just open up your mouth and begin to worship Him right where you are. I know we're laying it down right now, but when you feel that unction, I want you to lift up your voice. When you feel that release in the Spirit, I want you to lift up your voice and worship Him. Lord, there are people who are victims of abuse here tonight, God. They're trying not to show it because they've been hiding it for a lifetime. There are people who have been abused physically, emotionally, <laughs> spiritually, oh God. And every time they walk by that graveyard, Lord, they feel the pull of it, God. Come on, Josiah. Go ahead and break the curse tonight. Come on, Josiah. Go ahead and break the cycle in your life. Lay your idols down tonight. Lay your pain down tonight. Lay your bitterness down tonight. Lay your unforgiveness down tonight. Say, I want to be like you, Jesus. Yeah.
Find my way. 